Hi, my name's Maddie Dark, and you're listening to How's That Cricket Podcast. How's that? You missed the bound. I caught you up. How's that? Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of How's That the Cricket Podcast with me, Ollie. And me, Lily. A fair bit of cricket to talk about again as the WBBL comes towards a conclusion. Um, got a good guest for this week as well on the WBBL theme. Another Perth Scorchers player, Maddie Dark. We've interviewed half of their team already, but we are absolutely not complaining. We're just going to talk a little bit of cricket first. So I'm going to start, Lily, as always, as we always seem to do with the WBBL. Yeah, so not much else has happened aside from this. So we'll just get cracking with the scores here. So I'm pretty sure we left off with Strikers and Hurricanes on the 18th of November when the last episode was released. Adelaide Strikers winning by eight wickets. Hurricanes batting first, all out for 154, didn't quite make their full 20 overs. Mignon Dupriya, 75, Ruth Johnson, 25, Lizelle Lee, 13. Other than that, just single digits, really. But then the Strikers, so good. Katie Mack, 29. Laura Wolfart got a duck, but then Tali McGrath, 93 not out of 51, and Deandra Dottin, 20 not out of 17. Just so good from Tali McGrath. Like, would you expect anything less? Not really. I mean, yeah, she's had an interesting start to the summer, but a player of Tali McGrath's quality, you've always got to be wary, haven't you? Like, some of the knocks she started the summer with her uh, South Australian, the WNCL, like, she's a brilliant player, and you can't expect anything less, really, when she... Uh, does decide to hit the ball to every parts of whatever ground she's playing at. So 93 not out, a wonderful knock, and obviously propelling the strikers for that game and, and further by the looks of things. Yeah, definitely. She's, like you said, brilliant player, and, and I'm so glad she's on my team <laughs> because I would not want to be coming up against be. her. So then we have Sixes and Thunder, another Sydney smash match. Sydney Sixes winning by 18 runs, setting 178 for six off their 20 Thunder not quite managing to get it done. They ended up on 7 for 160. Close, but you know, not close enough as it turns out. Standout performances by Ashley Gardner, who scored 85 off 48. And I'm pretty sure we said this last week about how she's made a nice little cameo there, but 85 for 48 is, is pretty good going. 45 for Elise Perry, 24 not out for Nicole Bolton. Good bowling from Kate Peterson from the Sixers side with 3 for 27 off her 4. Sophie Eccleston with 2 for 28. Lauren Cheeto and Ash Gardner with one wicket each. So, yeah, goodbye the Sixers. And, you know, it's no surprise they're right up at the top of the leaderboard. Yeah, and just a quick one on Ash Gardner. I don't know if we were mentioning this further on, but Ash Gardner, player of the tournament for WBBL 08. So it just shows how good that team is when you've got players like Elise Perry, Alyssa Healy, and you've got Ash Gardner, who is, is class in every sense of the word as well, getting player of the tournament. Like, it's a scary proposition coming up against the Sixers. I think we've always known this. And whichever team wins through to the final, obviously... You'll probably know who uh, who's there. We won't um, because the uh, the challenge is tonight for us. But it's going to be a good game on uh, the weekend. And, you know, whoever plays against the Sixers, they're going to have the work cut out for them. Yeah, they are. So look, I'm unsure whether I, whether I want it to be strikers because I don't know how it's going to go. But look, we'll see. It all comes down to tonight, really. Then we have got the Melbourne Stars and the Perth Scorchers, which was the first installment of games in Moe. Melbourne Stars winning by six runs. Stars batting first, eight for 179. Lauren Winfield Hill, 36. Sophie Reed up in the order there, 24. And then everyone just kind of made contributions here and there. Capsie, 18. Sutherland, 20. Bessie, 27. Sasha Maloney, 28, not out. And then Reese McKenna, three, not out. Good bowling from the Scorchers, though, with Marazan Cap, two for 35 off her three. Piper Cleary with two for 18 off her three. 
Amy Edgar, three for 27 off four, and Alana King, one for 31 off four. And then in the Scorchers batting side, no half centuries or anything to really get them over the line here. Sophie Devine, 27, Beth Mooney, three, Chloe Paro, 34, Maddie Green, 24, Marazan Cap, 23. It's one of those tricky situations where once your top order, like Sophie Devine and Beth Mooney, are dismissed early, you're in a bit of trouble. And Alice Capsi with three wickets, three for 37 off four. So a good result by the Stars there. They needed to win, didn't they? But they just started winning too late. 100%. Like, I can't put it any better. Like the start of the season, we got unlucky in a couple of games. And, you know, had we been on the right side of the ledger, we may well have uh, made it into the top four. But the start of the season that we had, we were never really expected to, to make it into the finals. It was an uphill battle. And we got some really good wins. But as you say, we, we started winning too late. And I don't think we can complain about missing the finals when we started with as many losses as we did. But I mean, I guess hopefully it gives us momentum into WBBL09. You know, obviously we've had a good run of wins or a good run of being undefeated. I know we had the, the second game in Moe rained out, but a good run of being undefeated. So hopefully that carries on into uh, into next season. Yeah, so talking about the rained off games in Moe, we will start with the first one that we actually went to and it was an eventful day, wasn't it? It was a very eventful day. <laughs> good way game, to put it. The first game being between the Scorchers and the Renegades. Now, we got there, it was wet outfield, so they were like, right, we're going to play 10 overs. And we're like, okay, cool. And then they got out there, Scorchers batting first. Renegades were going at an okay pace, really, with Beth Mooney out for a duck and Maddie Green out for eight. Sophie Devine and Marizan Cap still in. And then it started absolutely tracking it down with rain, so they came off. And they were off for a bit. They got to eight overs, and they're like, okay, let's just do eight overs. Then they did the DLS score, and Renegades had to chase down 57 to win. and they struggled to start with with thinking, look, they've only been given this small amount of runs and they're going to screw it up. Hayley Matthews out for two, Chamari Atapatu out for a duck, Josie Dooley three, Courtney Webb ten. But then Erica Kershaw comes to the crease and goes, right, guys, I've got this. 34 not out off 18 with Carly Leeson, nine not out off nine as well. So a, a disappointing result, really, for the Scorchers because this knocked them out of the competition. They were reigning champions from last year and, and to go out to a rain-affected game like this must be heartbreaking. Yeah, I mean, they had it in their own hands, though, didn't they? They had the chance to play two of the bottom three sides, win one game, and you're in the top four. Like, going into that weekend, you would have expected them to have beat one of the Stars or the Renegades, and it just didn't happen for them. Obviously, the Stars put up a good total the previous day, and the rain didn't help the Scorchers on the Sunday, but they obviously lost too many games, and even the side as good as the Perth Scorchers, if you lose too many games, this competition won't wait around for you, and the Perth Scorchers found that out the hard way. It's a really tough one because they were so good last year, but in the end, they were four sides better than this year, and, you know, that's tough for them, but I'm sure they'll come back with a vengeance next year. Yeah, I'm sure they will, but now this day was also a day of two doubleheaders, so the second one was the Heat and the Stars, which... I can't even fully comprehend. So do you want to walk us through this game? Because I'm still so, like not over what happened. I could try. Uh, so on field, we had rain on, rain off, rain on, rain off. And for the few people that were there in Maui that day, as we were, we were saying at the start of the day that the DJ work was going to be the highlight of that game because we weren't sure if we were going to get on. And we did end up getting on. Obviously, um, heat batting first. Danny Wyatt was incredible. We were sat with all the Stars family. We were sat with the Sutherlands, the Flintoffs, and you know we were just having a right old jolly up at the cricket. It was brilliant. And we were saying, oh, like this is going to be a bit tough, isn't it? They've just put 104 on the board in 10 overs. 
And we were absolutely flying, like, after rain breaks. We were absolutely going to chase it down. And then, you know what, lightning comes around and says, yeah, we're going to ruin this seven balls out from a result. And it's a no result, but it was a crazy, crazy day at the cricket. I, I will say from, from myself and from you as well, shout out to both the Cole Fulton and Tess Flintoff, by the way. I think that has to go on record straight away. Somehow copped a shirt from Nicole and a lift back to the train station from Tess Flintoff's parents. So, look, you know what? Shout out to them. Like, they're an incredible bunch of people. And uh, obviously, me as a Stars fan, it just helped that bit more. But, uh, yeah, we obviously got to chat to, I think it was the Sutherlands, the Flintoffs and the Fulton. So it was really, really like, amazing kind of day. We just sat down and we're just like right involved. But it was a crazy day uh, in Mo, even though we didn't see as much cricket as we perhaps would have liked. Yeah, and I, I don't know if you mentioned the Stars score in there, but they literally were one for 49 off 3.5. Yeah. 3.5, they were one run away from 50. Like, that is absolutely insane like where has this been for their entire season if they were scoring 50 off four overs you're winning every game that is yeah. absolutely insane for them not well, to be able to follow through and not get a result from that is is slightly disappointing I think I mean again like I reckon that we would have got the result had the game been allowed to play on but I think the situation of this game was different to all the other ones because obviously we had 10 overs. We knew that we had 10 overs, so we could go a little bit harder as 20 overs. It's not as easy just to throw, like, play the shots over the top and potentially throw your wickets away. But, you know, the different situation of the game, I think, helps us. And obviously with the players that we've got at the top of the order, you know, Capsi, Winfield Hill, to name a couple of them, we have the license to do that. And sadly, we uh, couldn't get the result and we didn't have those situations across the tournament because I reckon maybe if there was a little bit more rain in convenient times in Melbourne, we might have been all right. But of course, we don't really want rain to ruin cricket. But at the end of the day, like I say, the stars across the season weren't good enough to make the top four. But um, I'm confident for next year that, you know, with players coming back, hopefully we get Lauren back. Hopefully we get Alice back. Hopefully we get Jameen back. And, you know, we're on a roll again in WBBL 09. Yeah, so moving on to the Sixers and Hurricanes game, the next one in the double-double headers, we have Hurricanes batting first, all out for 156. You know, Like I said, again, here and there scores from everyone, 25, Lozelle Lee, Mignon Dupre, 38, Heather Graham, 30, Naomi Salenberg, 24, everyone else single digits from there. A good bowling from Kate Peterson again with another three for, three for 31 off four, two for Sophie Eccleston, two for Perry, one for Gardner and one for Nicole Bolton. And then knowing the sixes this year, I'm not surprised that they chased this down. Only two down, Susie Bates, 27, Alyssa Healy, 26. And then Elise Perry, 56, not out of 39. And Ash Gardner, 45, not out of 29. Now, Ash Gardner, last year, she really struggled last year. I think she got like three or four ducks in a row. And this year, she's come back out and gone, right, I cannot repeat this. And she's done really, really well. So... A good result from the Sixers there, which obviously helped boost their spot into finals. And then to go on to the next game was the final one of the night, Strikers and Thunder. Now, this was Rachel Haynes' final game, and Strikers did not get the memo of letting the Thunder win and just went, no, we're we're getting second spot so we can have some home finals. Katie Mack was out for nine. Laura Wolfart, 75, not out. Tally McGraw won, went from making 93 to one. Bit of annoying comparison there. DeAndre Dotton, 23. Bridget Patterson, two, and Maddie Pennant, 18, not out. So they set a total of 144 of their 20. 
a really nice court and bold from Hannah Darlington, I must add. It's been all over the social media, so if you haven't seen it, go and have a look. So she took two for 36 off her four, Sam Bates with one, and Chloe Tran with one as well. And then Thunder, like we said, just could not get it going, really. Tammy Beaumont up there with 37, LBW by Gemma Barsby. Phoebe Litchie with four, Amy Jones 10, Rachel Haynes six. And we're saying, like, it's not often you see someone walk off the field raising their bat after making six runs. <laughs> it's not very yeah. often that that happens, but obviously to see off one of the greats of Australian cricket. And then Chloe Tryon, 22, and then you know, lower scores just down there, really. Belinda Vakarira with 14 off 10. But yeah, like, they just struggled, didn't they? They really struggled. Yeah, know. certainly. And I, I think obviously on, on Rachel Haynes, it's it's unusual to rage about after making six, but on this rare exception, it's justified given how much she's done, not only for the Sydney Thunder, but for Australian cricket in general. So congratulations, Rachel Haynes. And unfortunately, she couldn't get the uh, the sign-off that she would have wanted, but we were sort of following this game a little bit and, and I was sort of saying to you, they're going to do it, you know? The Strikers are going to do it and get a home final obviously host home final and then host the the other game that they weren't a part of last night. But, you know, you were just, we were just saying, oh my word, this is amazing. And Megan shoot, honestly, imagine being Amanda Jade Wellington right now. You've, you've had a five for eight this season and you still got the best bowling figures of the season for the strikers. Like that's just crazy how good Megan shoots bowling was. I know that, you know, you sort of said, well, it's the, it's the bottom order. It's the tail. It's sort of, expected that you've got such a good bowler coming up against batters who aren't as good but you've still got to take the wickets and she took six of them like that's uncharted waters to the WBBL so fair play to Megan shoot fair play to the strikers and I know you said before you're not sure if you want it to be the strikers in the final if this was the stars at the moment I'd absolutely want them to be in the final because as the old saying goes you've got to be in it to win it you know there's only three teams left now that could have a chance of, of winning the whole thing with uh, the Hurricanes out last night so you've got obviously the Heat the strikers and the Sixers you're one in three chance. Like you've got a right chance of uh, winning the whole thing, and to atone for last year, like you, you might have a chance to uh, right the wrongs of WBBL 07. And it's not against the Scorchers, so it's not like yeah. it's too much of a replay of last year. But I don't know. I just got this awful feeling that we're going to make it, and then we're just going to crash and burn on the day. But that's just me not having much hope. Um, but we'll see. We'll all we'll see. It. Like I said, it all comes down to tonight. But talking about last night's game. It was the Brisbane Heat and the Hobart Hurricanes. Hobart Hurricanes, it's the first time they've made finals since the second season, WBBL 02. And they unfortunately went out to the Brisbane Heat. Brisbane Heat setting a good score, though. They were 7 for 179 off their 20. A beautiful day at Carrollton. Let me tell you, I'm so glad there was no rain. Georgia Redmayne back in the team, which was so good to see. She only got 14. But like I said, just good to see her back out there. Danny White, 52 off 38. Melika, 9. Grace Harris, 1. Georgia Vol 17, Laura Harris 44 off 14. She was hitting like four, 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 six. That was like her track record, pretty much. Yeah, unfortunately, to be dismissed on 44 there. Jess Johnson won, Charlie not 23, not out, and Nick Hancock 15, not out. But really good bowling from Amy Smith, actually. She she's been in and out of the team. She's been 12 and then she's been in. But she took three for 21 off her four. So yeah, really nice bowling there. Heather Graham with two for 38. And Ruth Johnson and Nicola Carey won each. And then Hurricanes batting, top order. They were actually looking really solid. Lizelle Lee, 47, and Elise Villani, 25. They were hitting boundaries. They were hitting boundaries here, there, and everywhere. And we were thinking, oh, God, like Hurricanes might do this. Heat were a little bit sloppy in the field to start with. They were, you know, missing ones, letting ones go through their legs. I'm like, oh, God, it all starts here. And once it once you get here, there's no real turning back. But then there was a collapse. Minion Dupree at 14, Heather Graham 21, Nick Carey 10, 
Ruth Johnson Duck, Rachel Treneman 12, Hayley Jensen 2, Macy Gibson Duck, Amy Smith 1 not out. So it was just unfortunate from the from the Hurricanes. They they really you know, just let themselves down a bit there. Jess Johnson with four wickets for 23 off her four. Charlie not Amelia Curran, Courtney Sipple with one wicket each. So yeah, I probably wasn't too surprised to be honest. I I, I did think going into this heat would would win it, but like you said, you never know, and turns out to have been right. So tonight is the final instalment before finals. We have got the strikers and the heat again at Carrollton Oval. Oh, I'm so excited, but I'm also so nervous. But yeah, like I said, I'm excited to see what happens and hopefully the strikers can make it through. I'm sure you're going for the strikers now, right? Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's tough. I said that if, you know, if the stars are knocked out, I'd be I'd be a strikers fan. But I mean, Georgia Redmayne. That's that's the only thing that has me swaying. Um, I don't mind the Brisbane Heat either, to be fair. So maybe I can go in a neutral and I think I'll be happy whichever whichever team makes it through. I don't know if that's going to make you happy at all, but I think I'll be um, I'll be quite happy that, you know, whoever goes on and plays the Sixers, even though I don't think you share that sentiment. Oh, look, I don't mind, honestly. Like I'm, like I said, I'm used to, to the strikers not quite making it. So, yeah, like I said, I haven't got my hopes up too high because I have a feeling I know what's going to happen. But moving on to our interview, like we mentioned at the beginning this week, we spoke to Maddie Dark, who is a Perth Scorchers and Western Australia batter wicketkeeper. And it was really nice to talk to Maddie, wasn't it? She mentioned it was her first podcast she's done. And if she didn't tell us that, we would have never known because she spoke very well and she looked like she'd done it a hundred times before, but she was really great, wasn't she? Yeah, she was. You know, as you said there, seemed like a veteran podcaster, how well she spoke, but not to be. She was, uh, you know, it was great to get an insight into you know, her life at the Sixers and across the Stars and the Scorchers, how, you know, she's keeping herself prepared and how WO have been going through the WNCL season. It was a really insightful interview and uh, you can enjoy it now. That's nicely played into the gap. That'll find its way to the road. Great work there from Patty Dark. Second game for the Sixers. Welcome and thank you very much for joining us today. Do you mind just starting off by telling us where in the world you are at the moment and where you're kind of at with your cricket, what teams you're associated with? Yeah, absolutely. Firstly, thanks for having me on. I think I'm really excited for it. I'm currently sat at a hotel room in Melbourne. We're just um, kind of towards the end of our Big Bash campaign. I'm with the Perth Scorchers at the moment and we've just got a couple of downtime days before we head to Maui, which is not somewhere I'm familiar with, but we are, um, that's, I think it's a bit east of Melbourne a little bit, um, one of the rural grounds out there. So yeah, we're kind of at a, a pivotal moment, I guess, in our, our big bash tournament at the moment where we're actually coming to the close potentially if results don't go our way this weekend, um, definitely pushing for a, a final spot. Yeah, well, that's it, isn't it? It's, it's must win. I think for a lot of people it is as well, because there's just a lot of people on 13 points. It's definitely a, a crucial time for all the teams, really. But how has the Big Bash season been so far, along with the Scorchers and, and that group? Yeah, I think it's been pretty hectic. Big Bash always is, though. You get um, 14 games in total crammed into about four or five weeks and then additional finals as well if, if you make it that far. Um, I think it's been it's been a like really tight competition. I know personally being involved in it, I still actually find it a little bit tricky to to kind of keep up with everything that's happening. Like if you could uh, miss a couple of days and then suddenly the ladders change, there's been about five games of cricket. So I think it's been really full on, um, but it's definitely brought, there's been some great cricket matches. I mean, the other one, the one the other day, we unfortunately went down to the sixes, but I think for a neutral follower of cricket, it's probably the best game we've had 
in the big bash. I mean, Lisa Healy batting the absolute house down, scoring 100 to win us to win them the game. Sorry against us. So there's definitely been some great moments and the competition. I think is just going from strength to strength each year. Yeah, it certainly is because when you know when you look and you give everything time, everything improves. And you know, WBBL now compared to WBBL when it first started, it's you know really improved and it's been great to see. How does it feel being a part of that now? Being part of probably you know the best part of women's cricket that we've seen in a while. You know, obviously everybody's talking about it, everybody's getting behind it, everyone's supporting it. So what does that feel being a part of it all and being part of a, a real heyday in a sense of women's cricket? Yeah, I think it's exciting and um, it's potentially a little bit different to maybe when the male Big Bash kind of burst onto the scene where it was already a bit more established. But I think the women's game kind of had that opportunity for a bit more growth, in my opinion. So it's been really cool to to see um, from inside and also outside, I guess, um, how far that has come across. Um, it, we're into it, the eighth season now, so how far that's come. And yeah, as a player as well, personally, it's so, it's great. Like, how could you not improve in that sort of environment with, you get internationals from, we're lucky we've got Soph Devine, Maddie Green, Marazan Cap, and along with Moons and Kingy from Australia. So, I mean, it's pretty, pretty good training environment for us. And then on match day, you've obviously presented with um, some of the best players in the world as well. Like I mentioned Alyssa Healy before then, Elise Perry, for example. So it's definitely great and really exciting as a player and as an Australian domestic player to have that experience is something that's really, really beneficial. Yeah, certainly. You mentioned Elise Perry and Alyssa Healy there. Obviously, you're originally from New South Wales and you grew up in New South Wales watching women's cricket over there. Were Alyssa Healy and Elise Perry idols of yours while they were playing for the Sixers or were they someone you looked up and wanted to be like or were there others that you sort of idolised? Yeah, they were definitely the main two for me. And I think, well, when I was back in New South Wales and played for the Sixers, Alyssa Healy actually presented my Sixers cap, which was a really sort of pinch yourself moment because she definitely had been the one I'd looked up to being a wicketkeeper myself for my whole kind of career. So um, they're, yeah, they're definitely idols of mine and still are to this day. And I think just the way they go about their training and um, seeing what, what their life during a tournament, like the big bash, the ups and downs that go with it is something that is really, um, I've learned a lot from and I think I don't, I probably took it for granted a little bit at the time sometimes that I was just sort of in that environment with so many superstars that I think I'm now a bit older kind of like reflecting and sort of do have a lot of lessons that I've taken out from them about how they go about their business so yeah I'm really thankful for that. Yeah certainly uh, what do you reckon the best lesson is that you've learned from from not only maybe those two but from also that Sixers dressing room as well because there's a very star-studded team still is now it it was then when you were playing for them. So what's the biggest lesson you've probably learned from them, do you think, that's helped your cricket? Yeah, it's a really hard one to sort of pinpoint, uh, to narrow down. But I would say one of the most pertinent ones, especially in a tournament like the Big Bash, is kind of how to manage yourself from day to day. And um, like often you in, we get uh, such a full-on schedule that you might have a bad loss one day, a bad performance, but you have to just pick yourself up. You might be playing the next morning. So I think it's kind of like, it's never as bad as you think it is, but it's also never as good as you think it's going either. So trying to actually stay a bit more level um, will really serve you well in the long run. Yeah, definitely. And then going back to the very start of your cricket, now obviously we'll talk a bit more about that Sixers debut and all that after, but how did you very first get into the sport? Yeah, I think, well, I played soccer with a friend here, lived around the corner actually, 
Um, so we, I played soccer in the winter, loved that. And then that team kind of just transitioned to a cricket team in the summer, which I'd, I'd never thought of playing cricket at all. But then I just kind of like, yes, I just liked the boys and we just continued on and started cricket. It was back in the day where you did kind of the, you rotated around the field and I got into the wicket-keeping position, sort of just loved it from there. I don't think I let anyone else take the gloves in that team and I think um, it kind of just fired from then so I definitely started in the boys comp and then uh, after a few years I guess progressed into the New South Wales female pathway system and I guess from there you get really um, guided and directed we have some phenomenal coaches there and they kind of look after your development and I guess yeah the rest is kind of kind of history. Yeah, and you mentioned soccer there, which is interesting because obviously mentioning, like you said, Elise Perry. Did you look up to her in that way as well? Because obviously she balanced both cricket and soccer as well. So was that something that you maybe saw and think, well, if she can do it, I can do it? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I was never anywhere near as good as what what she is. Um, but I think it was cool that like to have an idol up like that, um, who was able to play both and to pursue both at such a high, high level that I think it was... Um, definitely good to see and I think as well a lot of the girls in cricket are actually better for playing a lot of other sports alongside especially um, as you're growing up or as you see sometimes now players just specialize in cricket super super early and then you actually miss out on a lot of other skills um, like even just sort of a bit more hand-eye coordinating um, how to move your body that type of thing so there's actually a lot of a lot of benefits to playing multiple sports growing up and yeah, I certainly was, I loved all sports when I was younger. So I would play as, as often as I could. And also often meant days off school, little trips around the country. So I was always in for that as well. Yeah. And you mentioned obviously going through the, the New South Wales pathway. So when was it that you chose cricket? Was there a point where you went, right, okay, I'm just going to stick to this one. And if so, why was that? How did that come about? Yeah, I think it was, oh, I can't remember exactly how old I was, maybe 15 or so, but I think I was playing sort of rep soccer and rep cricket kind of at the time as well. And the coach in soccer, to be honest, was getting a little bit more territorial, I suppose, with the timings and the seasons overlapped a little bit. And it was just getting to a point where it was a little bit difficult to kind of make both work. And I think I'd, I'd been on more cricket tours and carnivals and that type of thing. And I've just absolutely loved it. Um, Love the aspect of traveling around with some of my best mates. So I think that really helped sway my decision towards cricket in the end. And um, yeah, I would have liked to have played soccer a little or other sports for a little bit longer, but yes, you, um, it was a pretty easy choice to make to follow the cricket. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, I think it was a pretty good path to choose. Cause like we said, it, it's, it's <laughs> one of its peaks and you've done really yeah. well playing for a couple of big bash teams and, and your state. So you mentioned wicket keeping now, wicket keeping is, is tricky, isn't it? Because you've only got one in a team. It's not like batters or, or bowlers. Yeah. Or it's, multiple. It's, it's one. So you've really got to, be one of the best so how how did you find you know being a young wicketkeeper and trying to get to that top position yeah it's a good question I think it's um I love I love being a wicketkeeper and when you're I, I just think like you drive the team's energy you're a real central part of the, the team and it's something I really really enjoy but on the flip side of like you mentioned I've grown up in New South Wales and Alyssa Hill is the wicketkeeper there so that's going to be obviously a very big challenge for me to push that out like it's not going to happen right so I think I always just took it upon myself to do as much as I can I really I do like pride myself on being a pretty hard trainer so I think I do catch a lot of balls as often as I can or I'll ask as many questions as I can of senior players I've been lucky to have Elisa Healy and now Beth Mooney in my team so that's been a 
bit of a, a vault of information from both of them. And I think, yeah, like now I've moved to WA as well, where I am, do play a bit more of a role as a keeper. That's been so beneficial for me. And I absolutely love my time there as well. Yeah, and obviously, if we're talking WNCL cricket for Western Australia, you've had a really good start to the season, obviously playing games, which is, you know, what every cricketer wants yeah. to do. So obviously, you know, you're moving across the country from New South Wales to, to Western Australia, which must be a tough move for anybody, especially someone just starting their career. But how beneficial has that been for you, you know, not only moving across to Western Australia, but also playing cricket consistently? Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. Um I, I mentioned the New South Wales system and I think I am very thankful for the pathways and the training, but there's only so much you can do. Um, it's only so much you can progress yourself just sitting on the bench. So I think I definitely needed match time and more cricket time. And uh, I was very fortunate to get an offer from WA uh, about a year and a half ago now. So, um, and that was a, yeah, one of the easiest decisions, but also one of the hardest decisions of my life, I think, to move across the country. Um, I was, I think, just 19 or 20 when I got the offer. So it was a pretty big decision for me. And it was a bit hard with COVID borders and everything on that year. So it was not the easiest year to move. But from a cricket point of view, I'm just feeling supported by the staff and my teammates over there um, has really, really helped me. And I think, yeah, like I'm pretty early in my career in terms of games played, but I do feel like I'm going to get better with each and every season I have on the park. And you learn the most from your mistakes in the game. So, yeah, I'm really happy to have that opportunity at the moment. Yeah, of course. And obviously you've now got your WBBL club and your state aligned, having moved across from the Stars to the uh, to the Scorchers. Does that make it easier having both clubs in the same state? Because obviously I had to balance it last year with, with the Melbourne Stars and the and WA. Is it easier now to sort of have both clubs in the same area or is it not too hard to, to balance if they're in different states? Yeah, I think it is a bit easier just for a continuity point of view that the coaching staff often overlap a fair bit. So it's very similar. Like we've got uh, Becky Grundy's our WA head coach and she, she's an assistant here at the Scorchers and um, travels with us. And uh, we hit keeping coach back home as well. He's does does both programs. So uh, from aspects like that, it's definitely a lot easier, in my opinion, to have both your state and Big Bash aligned. Um, but having said that, you can definitely make it work, but you just have to be a bit more proactive with the communication and make sure everybody's on board. There's a bit more moving pieces. So I think, yeah, that has definitely helped me this year. And if we go back to the Big Bash, obviously, you know, we talked about your upbringing in New South Wales. You, you grew up a Sixers fan. Your first season playing in the, in the Big Bash was for the Sixers. How special was that to sort of play for the club that you've always supported and play alongside the players that you've always idolised? Yeah, it was definitely very special for me for, for those two reasons. I think it was um, kind of a big step moving up from underage up into the big bash. That's what all the girls always talk about and always dream of. And to ha get into that team with such a high calibre of player is pretty special. And I think, like, honestly, just to share the field, looking around with some of the names at the time, like Ash Gardner, Lisa Perry, Alyssa Healy, Razan Kat, Dane, Van Nieke, like the list just goes on. Um, that was pretty incredible and I definitely felt well out of my depth, but I think it was just such an unbelievable start and to learn from those those girls and just about how to train, how to go about a tournament, um, their mindsets, all of that type of thing was a really great for a young player to, to hear and I think it's going to hold me in pretty good stead for the rest of my career, hopefully. 
Yeah, I'm sure it will. But you spoke about there about being out of your comfort zone. Obviously, being at that level, being at women's big bash level, it's a it's a really high level of cricket. But how long did it take you to sort of feel comfortable at that level and feel like right? You know, I've played a few games here. I belong at this level, and I'm comfortable at this level. Or is it still something that takes time to sort of grapple with? Yeah, I'd say especially in big bash, I definitely don't feel comfortable at the moment. I'm still trying to like on the fringe of selection, I guess. So like I play a few games or then I miss a lot of that type of thing. So it's definitely something that's still a bit of a work in progress kind of thing. But I think um, like I would be comfortable with like who I am kind of as an athlete and the way I train and things like that. But it's always going to be, it is a world-class competition, like you said. So it's, um, you're never going to be really comfortable in that. And I think that's kind of the beauty of it, that it does just provide such an ongoing challenge and, it really pushes you to try to be your best self on and off the field. So um, it's definitely a good spot to be in and one that is um, provides good challenges. Yeah, and you mentioned being kind of like on the fringe of selection. And now, like we we mentioned earlier, for WA, you, you have been playing within the role as a batter, really, because you've still got Beth Mooney within that squad. So yeah. um, you, you've played all the games so far. So what's it like being playing within that state side? And is that something that you feel like you can take into Big Bash providing that you get selected this season or, or maybe next season? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, again, back to the having both Big Bash and state programs align, there's a bit more familiarity with the players and the staff. So uh, if I were to get picked in the Scorchers team, I would have played with half the girls because they're in the WA team um, or everyone knows each other pretty well. So from that point of view, I think it would make it a little bit easier for me. And yeah, it's definitely, um, so like the internationals, like Moons will be, is here for a little bit, but then away for a little bit, which would give me a bit more opportunity with the gloves back in WA, for example. So I think um, the more more opportunities I can get on the field, the better and more comfortable I'll start to feel, I hope. Um, so I think it'll just, um, yeah, it would put me in good stead, I think, for future games, should they arise. Obviously, as well, if you if you go back to that international commitment we mentioned with, with Beth Mooney, obviously the Australian players will leave later on in the season. Is that something you're kind of looking forward to? Obviously, there's no Beth Mooney and she's an incredible cricketer, but are you looking forward to the chance to say, well, right, I've got a chance with, with the gloves. I've got a chance to really cement myself and you know, I've got a chance to really make things happen. Yeah, absolutely. And like I mentioned a bit with the New South Wales pathway, it is fantastic and a training environment is great to have all those sorts of players but at the end of the day every cricketer wants to play right and I as I mentioned I love being a wicketkeeper I love being a central part of the team and really buzzing around the energy like that so even the difference for me playing as a, a batter and fielder versus a fielder I'm sorry a wicketkeeper and a batter um, it certainly brings about more enjoyment for me um, and yeah I definitely want to make a good impression again with the gloves I was pretty happy with how I went last season for WA but so I just really want to try to back it up this year and hopefully get a few more wins for the team and um, try to push push the performances in that regard. Absolutely now if we go back to to a bit more big bash stuff obviously we, we talked about the Sixers and you know you your first season with them you played 11 matches in that first season and what was you know a bit of a breakout season for you. Did you enjoy that campaign with the club and, and then why did you feel it was the best decision to leave the Sixers following that year? Yeah I think it was definitely a um, a big year for me in terms of yeah getting my first opportunity at that level um, but again like the quality of the players at the Sixers um, and then I had, had a following year it was in the hub for the Big Bash and I didn't get a lot of opportunity there and I'd already kind of made the move um, away from New South Wales so um, I think it just sort of 
I saw like a potential to get a bit more playing opportunity at another club. And that's sort of something I just took a bit of a punt on. Um, Cause yeah, I, like I mentioned earlier, it is hard for me to get into a, a big bash team if they've already got set wicket keepers. So I have to push just as a batter and a fielder, which is not my, doesn't have my dominant skill set, I guess. So it is going to be tricky for me, I think, or it has been tricky for me and it, um, to get those opportunities. So, yeah, it's been a bit of a juggling act with that. So, so you, had, you had the two seasons at the, uh, at the Sixers. You had the, sixes, one, yeah. uh, the, you had the first season where you obviously played a lot and then the second one where you, you didn't play as much. Was that frustrating? You know, you were playing every game almost for, for the Sixers from, at one point and then you sort of dropped out a little bit from, from selection. Was that frustrating for you or did you sort of look at the positives and say, well, right, I'm still teammates with, with Healy and Perry and I've still got some amazing coaching behind me? Yeah, it, it is absolutely very frustrating and I won't lie, it is a, a very tricky time when you're not getting selected. But I think from my point of view, you've kind of got two attitudes you can take. You can either kick cans and have a sook and everything like that. And then A, you're kind of damaging your reputation. You're not very nice to be around and you're just, you'll get nothing out of it. Or you can take the positives and recognise that you are still in a team with so many internationals and so many great domestic players and have access to really good coaches um, and just try your best to get as much as you can out of it, learn as much as you can and still be ready for selection at any time. Like it could take one injury or uh, they just want to make one little matchup sort of decision and you could be straight back in. So I think it's, it is definitely a challenge, but you've got to have the right mindset and the right attitude about it. Um, and yeah, you never know what could happen. It might swing back your way with the snap of a finger. So um, yeah, that's sort of the attitude I try to take. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you talk about being on, on the fringes and you sort of, you know, being ready to come in whenever required. Um, what are the things that you sort of do to, to keep yourself up to pace to say, well, right, if there's an injury somewhere to, to maybe Beth Mooney, obviously we don't like to see anybody injured, but, you know, if there is an injury somewhere, you know, what do you do to sort of say, well, right, I'm, I'm, I'm ready, I'm up to date and, you know, if you need me, I'm here. Yeah, I think it's um, the onus probably would fall back on me a fair bit, in my opinion, that um, sometimes when you're not playing um, and in big batch, there's not a lot of training sessions. So I probably have to ask to do a little bit more outside of what's scheduled. So I might have to ask for a bit more batting or a bit more wicket keeping on the side, that sort of thing, just to make sure that I know I'm doing everything I can if an opportunity were to arise. I, I would hate to think of um, if something were to happen and I would just know I haven't done the work, then I just don't think that would be a very good space for me to step in and perform but if I know I'm ticking the usual boxes I would be if I were playing then I can be comfortable in my preparation and once I feel good with my preparation that like the work's done you roll onto the field um just try and enjoy it and like relax sort of trust the process so yeah preparation's a huge one for me if I know I've ticked all my boxes then I'm pretty good to go yeah, absolutely. It's it's a good thing to to know what to do and you know how to tick boxes and work mm-hmm. a little bit harder. So after obviously that second season with the Sixers, you you came across to play for the Stars. What was that opportunity like playing for the Stars, and what did you sort of take out of that experience? Yeah, it was a good one, and I think it was more just a, a bit of a fresh change. And they're someone that they're a team that I have never really had much to do with, like Victorian based. Um, so I hadn't interacted with them before. So. They had the likes of Elise Villani and Meg Lenny, who were probably the standouts in that team at the time, which again, just I think it just brought about a few new perspectives and gave me a few new ideas on how to go about my training. And it was definitely clear to see that, I mean, in my experience, every team kind of trains in the same sort of way, but 
um, it's slightly nuanced, I think, with each sort of coach or each captain. So it's just kind of gives a few new ideas and um, just the way to sort of change things up a little bit. But yeah, it was kind of just a fresh start and some new opportunities, which I, I did enjoy. Yeah, that's brilliant. So how did the call up for Western Australia happen? And what was your thought process there, you know, making another jump over to, to a different team? Yeah, I think initially when I got the call, I was super excited. Um, I just thought I just loved the idea of um, playing a bit more full time and getting a wicket keeping opportunity, obviously. So I was over the moon from that point of view. I had come off maybe two seasons where I'd been on the field, off the field, mainly off the field. So I was just really craving some game time. So obviously leapt at the opportunity. And then I think it kind of set in what it was going to mean that I'd be leaving some friends behind, leaving family behind. I didn't know anybody really in the in the whole state of WA really. So from that point of view, it was pretty daunting. Um, but I think I just kind of trusted that like if I went over there, gave it my best personally and as a cricketer, then I think it would kind of work out. Um, and I'm so glad I've done that. But it's definitely been, I think I would say it's been the best thing for myself as a person and um, being able to mature a bit and be a bit more independent and even just things like working on how I communicate with different people and problem solve when I don't have my usual supports around me all the time has been fantastic. And from a cricket point of view, obviously it's, um, it's been great. I've loved it. And just to get a bit more game time under my belt, I think I'm, I'm learning so much each and every game. And that's something that unfortunately I just didn't get at New South Wales in my home state. Yeah. Well, it's good. It's good to see you out there and it's good to see you getting these opportunities. And like you said, when, when all the Australian representatives go, that's when that's when the time is, isn't it? So um, yeah. And then talking about that now, the WNCL's paused because of Big Bash. So uh, Western Australia currently sitting in second position, which I think is a good good place to leave it to jump back to. It. So what what are the plans, maybe personally or as a team, going into the back half of the season? And what are you looking forward to about maybe jumping one spot higher and, and going to the top of the table there? Yeah, definitely. Like you said, the dynamic does shift when we've got our Australian players versus when we don't. So I think the whole for the whole competition, not just the WA team, um, it definitely takes a bit of a, a different flavour without um, those girls. But I think I think we've been really happy with the start we've had. We've played four games, won two of them quite well, and then lost one close game in New South Wales as well, which um, I think we were a little bit unlucky on. So We've definitely put a style of cricket forward that we've been speaking about and working towards all pre-season, which we're really happy about. And so I think just to, uh, we've got to make sure we play that um, attacking brand that we've been speaking about and um, keep pushing that forward into the next few games. We've got two games before Christmas, I believe, so against Queensland. So that'll be a big challenge, but I think it's something that our group's really excited for once we peel away from Big Bash and reunite back in as a WA unit. So I think that's definitely um, on the pipeline. Yeah, absolutely. And it has been a really good start for WA and uh, with the calibre of players you've got, it's probably going to continue as well. But again, we talked about the players that you've been alongside with WA. How um, how nice it's to sort of go off and play state cricket with such a powerful team and be a constant fixture in that team. Yeah, it's very exciting. And that's like, I've mentioned what all what I've wanted for a long time just to get some game time and it um it's a bit cliche but honestly like you have the best time of your life I love playing cricket with some of the people that I love and um being able to travel across Australia as well it really is such a fun time it's a bit of a dream job I think if you ask me so um yeah it's fantastic and 
I couldn't ask for a better group of people and better support staff. It really makes the whole journey and the ups and downs a lot more worth it when you kind of, you go through the lows together and you go through the highs together. Um, it kind of makes it a, a bit more sweeter when you do get the rewards and when you do work towards a common goal for such a long time. It really is a great feeling if you can pull a bit of it off. Yeah, absolutely. And if we just move quickly from, from state commitments to international commitments, uh, you played for Aussie in a tour of England back in 2019. What was that experience like to, to travel, not only across the country, but across the world uh, to play cricket and represent your country? Yeah, I mean, I was an injury replacement on that and definitely a very left field selection in my opinion, but I absolutely loved that trip. Um, it was sort of the first chance I got to meet a lot of the professional players. That was my first year on a contract. So I was just sort of lapping up as much as I could. And the nature of those um, those teams is that you've got a few girls from, from each state, coaches that you've probably never worked with before as well. So it's just um, definitely a different way of seeing things and I absolutely love touring as well. I think it's, I'm really, really try to enjoy my time off field, um, meeting new people, getting out about in a new town. So um, though that type of time was really great for me and a really kind of confronting in a good way, um, just to see the standard that they all set and how far I felt I was off. Um, but it definitely gave me something to work towards and something that I wanted to set my sights on to hopefully keep doing and hope getting selected on tours like that in the future if I can yeah and obviously you talked about you know there's multiple players from multiple different states as well so what was the main thing you sort of took from it you know you obviously had probably the the widest pool of advice or information that you you've ever had perhaps with it being an Australia tour but what was that sort of like what did you sort of take from it to say well right you know I've been here and what's going to take you to go to the next step higher in a sense yeah I think for me as well it was um the skill level was clearly a lot more elevated than what I was used to but a lot of it's about mindsets and the attitudes that they have going into matches I think that's something where it's a little bit of an untapped space for some some players especially if you're coming out of the, the youth pathway sort of systems that that can be the differentiating factor between a lot of good performance versus poor performance in my opinion and just being able to have a bit more of that resilience and a bit I guess like trust in your own game that you'll be able to work through a, a form slump or a bit of a lull that type of thing it's pretty hard to describe but I think just the knowledge and the confidence that they have in their own games and how they get out of a bad situation is definitely um, far more advanced than what mine would be at the time it was probably just a bit like oh if I'm playing well that's great but if I'm not I don't really know how to get out of that if that makes sense yeah and then, like we said, so obviously you've, you've had that experience within that that Aussie tour and, and you've played state cricket and WBBL now. So so if we were to say what would be your goals, whether it be long-term or quite current, what would you say you're aiming for at this stage? Yeah, I think fairly short-term at the moment. I just really want to have a good season for WA coming up. Really want to finish that season strongly and very excited by the opportunity um, to wicket keep for the state again. And then I guess going forward into maybe next year's big bash I'd really like to try to get like knuckle down and get a bit more of a batting spot in a team so that's definitely an area of my game that I think I need to kind of address t20 batting is is very tricky so I think um to if I can nail another good preseason and kind of crack into a team there they're sort of the two main things I've got my eye on at the moment yeah no that's good and like I said hopefully hopefully we can see that we'd I don't know we'd both like to see that now do you have just a favourite cricket memory from any point in your life? 
Well, it's definitely not favourite, but my most memorable was actually on that Aussie trip to England. We played a, a three-day sort of practice test match, I guess, against the, the top English team because we were touring alongside the Ashes. Um, so we were playing against the England full-strength team and it was – I've never played like a test match kind of thing before, so that was a so exciting just to begin with. But we did not go very well as a team. We took three wickets in total in the whole three days and they scored about – nearly 800 runs in total against us. So they absolutely pantsed us. But I think it was definitely the most most memorable um, and definitely a big wake-up call to how, how far off we were. But it's definitely stuck in the mind for a long time. That's a lot of runs, isn't it? That's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> that was a lot. I don't, I don't think you've, you've ever seen anything quite like it. You know, obviously seeing a full-strength England side playing against them and bowling against them, was that a daunting sort of thing? You know, if they're full-strength, the best 11 players that England have to offer, and obviously England are a powerhouse nation, if I do say so myself. But, you know, was that a daunting experience or was that one where it was just like, right, this is amazing, sort of pinch yourself type thing? Yeah, it was definitely daunting when I think about three of their girls got hundreds and then they declared on us and we lost about three wickets in the first half an hour of our innings. So we were... <laughs> Definitely up against the wall there. But, I mean, like you said, it was such a great experience and obviously one that I'd never had before. Like, I'd seen a few of the top Aussie girls um, here and there, but I've never played against a full-strength England lineup before. And, um, yeah, it was definitely a really, really cool experience and one that I won't forget. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So now we just like to do, like, our final little segment is some quick-fire questions. Some of them are cricket-related, some are not cricket-related. So I think, Ollie, you were going to take them this week, were you? Yeah. So we're going to start with um, a cricket-related one. WBBL or WNCL? WNCL. I think I, at the moment I just like one-day cricket a little bit better and it probably suits my game a little bit more, but they're both great. And given that you're playing as well in WNCL, that probably yeah, sways you well. Yeah, um, me. Yeah. <laughs> red ball cricket or white ball cricket? To watch or to play? Uh, go with either if you want. Well, I mean, being like a female, we don't play a lot of red ball, but I think I do definitely love watching test match cricket when it rolls around. Yeah, nice. So you're stuck on an island, hypothetically. Hopefully it doesn't happen. Uh, what person would you want with you and what two things would you like at your disposal? Gosh, well, I would be shopping. So I'm going to bring Tanil Peschel, our teammate, with me. I think she's just one of the, the handiest people I know. So I think she'll be very helpful and be our best chance. Two things I'd bring, I'd bring like, I don't know, maybe a tent or some sort of camping kind of situation for Pesh to sort for the both of us. And then maybe just some bottles of water to keep us going. Nice. Very oh, smart. Yeah. So hypothetically, you're in the, the final over of a match for, for WA. Would you rather win that game with three sixes or a hat trick of stompings? Oh, that's a good question. As someone that's not hit a lot of sixes before in my career, I think I would go the three sixes, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Favourite shapes flavour? Pizza. Beach or backyard cricket? Definitely beach, yeah. I grew up on Bondi in Sydney's east and we did play a lot down there, so always beach. I think if you grow up in Bondi and don't say beach cricket, there's a... There's a there's you can grow up in Bondi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Pineapple on pizza, yes or no? Huge fan, yeah. Hawaiian would be my go-to order. So nice. I'm not sure if that's the right or wrong answer for you guys, but... No, I I'm agree. Okay I like with that. I like that. A fan. fan, yeah. Smell so like good. Orange juice or apple juice? 
apple juice. Favourite cuisine? Ooh, Italian or Mexican. Nice. Hard to go wrong with either. Very yeah, true. I, I Fair enough. Right. So if you're on a if you're on a game show like Millionaire Hot Seat or something like that, and you had the chance to win a million dollars, which friend would you phone to try and get you that million? Probably ringing my dad. To be honest, <laughs> I think he just he's very smart. He's one of the smartest people I know, and would also know just a lot of random facts, like big on history, that type of thing. So I think he'd have the biggest chance to get us over the line. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. And the final, final one, a bit of a how's that sort of folklore question. Is porridge a cereal, yes or no? A cereal? I don't think so. No. no. Yeah. See, Probably agree. Yeah, we agree, yeah. <laughs> Do people say yes to that often? There's or... a few, yeah. Yeah, it's really, it's yeah. what you'd think, I think. Um, okay, it's it's yeah. a strange one, it's definitely a strange yeah, yeah, I've never thought, never thought of it, but I just, yeah, gravitate straight to a no on that one. But yeah, that is all the questions we have. Thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Honestly, yeah, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. We've never done a podcast before, so it was cool. That's nicely played into the gap. That'll find its way to the road. Great work there from Paddy Dark. Second game for the Sixers. That was our interview with Maddie Dark. And like we said at the beginning, so great to chat to her. So thank you for coming on. After speaking to her there, I really, really hope we get to see her really shine when Beth Mooney leaves for the Australian duties I really hope we get to see her take the gloves and you know cement her spot into that team it'd be really nice wouldn't it yeah it wouldn't she's certainly capable it's not like you know we've got a player who's never played before coming in for an Australian star you've got a, a quality wicketkeeper who's waiting in the wings so I'm sure she will when given a chance and uh, I'm sure we you know for both of us we can say that we want to see her do as well as possible and uh, given the how's that look that's been going on um, in recent weeks with so many of our previous guests, I'm, I'm sure she will do well when she gets the chance. Yeah, absolutely. So like we said, really looking forward to seeing what Maddie can do within the upcoming months. And hopefully it's it's some really good stuff. But yeah, that is all for this week. Next week, we have got a very, very big guest. A very, very big guest. We have got New Zealand captain, Perth Scorchers captain, Sophie Devine on the podcast, which is so exciting, like we said not wait for everybody to hear that episode with Sophie so make sure you tune in next week for that but in the meantime you can follow us on Instagram Twitter or TikTok at how's that TCP you can send us an email at how's that the cricket podcast at gmail.com or you can leave us a rating on Spotify which would be greatly appreciated but that is all from me this week likewise see you later everyone